0: Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. The presence of the Lord is in this place today. Welcome to City of Life Church. We do want to welcome our online family. You guys are a huge part of what we do here. We appreciate you and love you. You guys watch from all over the world. On a weekly basis, and uh, you mean a lot to us. Everyone in the w- room, can we give them a hand and welcome them today? Those that are watching online, appreciate you guys. I know that we've got some really amazing friends here. Micah Byers and Giselle, they're here from Ames, uh, Iowa, and Micah is an uh, amazing uh, assistant basketball coach for Iowa State Cyclones there, and he used th- they're. City of Lifers, and used to attend here for years when he coached at UCF, and they're visiting it in town. Stand up real quick so everyone can say hello to you. Come on, give them a huge hand. Come on, this is Micah, Giselle. Giselle, come on, you too. They're they're amazing. We love you guys. They watch online a lot, and and so it's important to say hello to everyone that's watching. I love you guys. Thank you so much for uh, the amazing uh, celebration last week. You guys uh, being so sweet to me. I got so many cards and thank yous, or well wishing for my 50th birthday Uh, it was an awesome time Uh, lots of great cards and stuff but I got some stuff from you that I really appreciated. one of the things I appreciated was I had more Oreos than I know what to do with uh, for the next six months and by the way I didn't know this I learned something last week someone told me I was getting some special Oreos but someone gave me some Oreos from Venezuela that that are like actually made with a different kind of chocolate it's almost like a hazelnut so in addition like, you know how I kind of like almost hint that anytime you want to bring me like Benio or, or like red velvet cake or anything like that, you can. I'm going to add Venezuelan Oreos to that. So anytime you just want to, you're feeling like you need to bless your pastor, uh, I'm, I'm down with that too. Also uh, next week, you know, as you saw up there about Blink, we're talking about Blink. There's a lot of people, I just, I just want to ask this question. How many people have never seen Blink? Lift your hand right up above your head if you've never seen Blink. That's almost half the room. It's kind of hard to explain what it is, even though you say it's a multimedia presentation. It's like, uh, it's hard to even know how big it is and how significant this show is. Like when I tell you that I've been in other countries before and had people come up to me and say, are you the guy that did Blink? I'm not, I'm not joking, I'm talking about Europe. I've, I've been in almost every place I go, all over Central Florida, are you that guy from Blink? Like, th- I mean, 60,000 people have given their heart to Jesus at blinks over the years since 1998 i mean it's, it's i'm trying to tell you that it's a it's a uh it's basically if you combine broadway uh it, like the, the power of like a live show like that and then you combine a movie uh we have characters that are on stage that are in serious scenes like horror scenes comedy scenes drama scenes thrillers uh, that interact so you'll see part of the part of the story is told through movies so it's literally like going to the movies you know you're in a car you're going to a location and you see the characters talking so our film crews go film like a movie and then they come on the stage and finish the the scenes here and we tell the story of creation of Jesus all that stuff in a way that no one really in the whole world does it starts next Sunday and here is the reason I'm telling you for those of you that have never seen it and just like oh that blink thing I, I don't really have time for that it's time-consuming every Sunday night for the next Twelve weeks or so we're here. Uh, Next week is the first one. It's a prayer meeting and we're kind of integrating people that want to be involved. Here's what I want to save you from. Every year when Blink becomes huge and all these people want to see it, tons of people want to start volunteering in the middle of it and we don't do it that way. If you're not there from the very beginning and you're not there from the early days of the prayer meetings and stuff like that, you really don't understand the DNA and the culture of what we're trying to do and the spirit that we're trying to convey uh, to our city. So I'm just saying, man, take a step in faith next week. Come Sunday night and and be a part of it. You say, well, what do you need? Everything from prayer teams, parking teams, uh, people to be in the show, people to work backstage and production, uh, camera crews. I mean, this week we had camera crews and film teams that were filming every night of the week till late in the night, all day, all night for one of our music videos. It's it's nonstop until the show goes up. So it is gonna be incredible. I'm personally inviting you uh, to be a part of it. Let me jump into our message today. I am starting a brand new series today. So you're here on a really good day. I'm starting a series called Shine, A Life of Sharing. Since I have been a senior pastor, uh, one of the questions I do get consistently from people that are just being honest and asking a real heartfelt question is, how can I share my faith? Uh, I I love Jesus, I know Jesus, but what is the best way for me to share my faith? Because I feel like sometimes I don't know how. And I would really like to, in this next couple of weeks as we talk about this, and we're leading up toward Blink, I want to give you some ways that I think you can share your faith genuinely and make a big difference in people's lives. Number one, because Blink, I'm going to tell you this right now, thousands of people are going to be saved at Blink. We're going to see over 2,000 people that will get saved. We We will see hundreds of people baptized. We baptize them every night right outside. And one of the reasons that these people are going to be here in the first place is you're going to be inviting them. So essentially you're sharing the good news. Blink is an opportunity to start activating your faith. So over the weeks, as this builds up and we build toward Blink, get used to talking to people. But I wanna break down and kind of demystify evangelism and sharing your faith in in a way that, that can really make a difference in your life. That's all I really care about doing is using God's word to make a difference in your life on a weekly basis. So check this out. Our text is Philippians chapter two, verses one through 15. And I know that's a lot of verses but I tried to cut some out and I was like it's just too good I can't so it's this right here it says if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ actually before I read this let me ask a quick question how many people here you know for a fact that Jesus is the Lord of your life and that you're different today than you were before you met him. If you know that, lift your hand all over the building. Amen. That's good. It's interesting how you can't clap and lift your hand at the same time. So you're kind of like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to do this. I get it. I get it. Okay, so this is good. This is like a good testimony. That's a lot of people. That's almost everyone in the room. I want to ask you a quick question. Do you remember what it used to feel like to just be hopeless? That's a terrible, and if you don't, I want to encourage you to try to. Try to remember the difference that that it made of knowing that Jesus cares for you and loves you and died for you and rescued you and gave you a brand new start. When we first come to Christ, there's no feeling like that in the world. When you're lost and you don't have Jesus and you're living your life going from thing to thing, sex, drugs, partying, making money, all this different stuff, none of these things can fill that void in your soul. And you, and you feel terrible every morning you wake up and you tried something new and you thought you found it, but you just got to do that same thing again to get that feeling. It is a vicious cycle until you meet Jesus and you realize that you're accepted, you're affirmed, He cares for you just like you are. That gratitude that we feel when we come to Christ, we have to take ourselves back to that moment if we're ever going to share our faith in a way that's meaningful. We have to remember what it feels like to be rescued. So Paul is talking to people who have been rescued, who know the difference between the old life and the new life. And that's why he says, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness, any compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded zero amens on the like-minded thing by being like-minded four. Uh, by being like-minded there's some other ones that you're not going to amen either I promise wait just a second having the same love being one in spirit and in purpose it's basically saying that as Christians we need to be like-minded with each other We need to be like-minded with people. Stop always trying to find the differences between everything. Get on the same page so we can start encouraging each other in our faith. Cultivate a spirit of humility, of gratitude. He goes on to say, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Look at the person next to you really quick and say, I consider you better than myself. Now look at the person on the other side who really must be bad because you, you literally just, you chose the person that you consider better than yourself. I don't know what that means about the person on the other side, but this person needs a major confidence boost right now. So look at this other person and say, I really consider you better than myself. Tell them, I really consider you better than myself. Online, I don't know. You're typing to different people on this one. I don't know. So think about what that means to consider someone else better than ourselves in Christ to see more value. I want to think about and consider, do you live your life like that? Do you live your life when you go into the office, that annoying person, who talks on their phone really loud. They've got the the earpiece in and they're having major, like I mean, there's an earpiece in, they're not even on the phone, they're just talking like like to to a ghost or something like, yeah, I'll be there at 4.30, yep, yep, Uh uh-huh, right, oh, I know, me too, I can't believe it. You're going, really? So that person, put your hand on your heart real quick and say, I consider that person the talking to the ghost person, say it, better than myself. Okay, I mean, this is what we're signing up for here as Christians, because it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, vain conceiving in humility. Consider others better than yourself. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Are we living that right now? Because real quick, if we're not, we don't need to have a, a message on evangelism if we're not just simply living this first. Because people are not going to care about the message that we're preaching if they don't see that we're loving the gospel toward them every single day. We have to start showing the gospel in our love that qualifies us to be able to talk about the gospel when we're, when we validate the gospel through our love and our actions. now here's a very misquoted scripture okay because the the King James Version says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This version says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, when people quote that, they rarely ever continue on telling you what that mind or that attitude is, but we're going to look at it here. It says, who being in the, this is a, it sounds complicated, but I'll definitely explain it. It says, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to, the, to death, even death on a cross. It means that he's up there in heaven Father, Son, Holy Spirit, equal with God, ruling the universe with supreme autonomy, can do whatever he wants to do, creates that says things and he creates. Creativity is just in his word. He is the word, he is everything. And it said he did not consider that highest position possible, something to be grasped. But instead it says, because of his love for us, he willingly chose, to humble himself and step down to earth and become a human being to save us, and then you know what he did. Is once he got here, every day, he chose to humble himself. Why? Because he constantly was encountering stupid people. don 't say "Amen to that one. you didn't say "Amen to the other." you didn't say "Amen to the other stuff, and now you 're getting all spiritual on me. He was constantly encountering people that thought they were better than him. smarter than, he's God incarnate on earth, he's constantly encountering people that don't understand who he is but yet instead of fighting for and saying oh yeah I created you, no, or yeah I could point at you and and blow you up right now if I want to, he never did that, do you know what he did? He just humbled himself and finally that last scripture says he humbled himself even to the death on the cross he said Lord I'll leave the judging to you, I'm going to keep humbling myself, do you do that? Is that your goal every day when you get out of bed? To say, Lord, I want to live a life of humility today. Constantly humbling myself so that you can be lifted. That's the mindset that we're supposed to have that's like Jesus. Do you understand why I'm talking about this? Before we talk about evangelism, if we don't have this, our words are not going to mean anything. If we're not living this, no one cares about what we're saying if we're not living this. Then it says, I love this, verse 9. It says therefore God exalted him I have the old King James version of this whole entire thing memorized so I could just break it off if I wanted to but I'm not gonna I'm just gonna read this to you okay uh, verse 9 says therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name shoot I'm just gonna do it that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father that basically means that when you hunt, When you humble yourself and you choose to lower yourself for the Lord every day, I haven't even announced the name of my sermon yet and Kyle's still up there praying, or playing. I'm praying, he's playing, and we're all saying that we need to keep doing this. All right, so when you humble yourself every day and it's your mission to get as low as possible so that Jesus can be as high as possible, God says, I'll take care of the elevating. You take care of the humbling part and I'll take care of the elevating. God gave him the name which is above every name. So he's gonna make everything else bow to the name of Jesus. So your responsibility first in evangelism is showing the humility of Christ in everything you do. Not always defending yourself in everything. Why is it that we get that attitude of, do you know who you're talking to? Like, when people say that to me, I'm like, no, I think I don't know. Like, who are you? Like, what? what's going on? Did I miss something? Like, like, we get this thing. Like, oh, no one talks to me like that. And, like, we get this thing, man. And it's just not like Jesus. I get it, too. It's not like Jesus. And I love how it goes on. This is beautiful. This is why my message, by the way, is called Shine, A Life of Sharing. That's the name of our series. This is part one. It says, it says down... In verse thirteen, it says, "For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing." Zero, Amen's. Okay, we're gonna get some. We're gonna get some good ones. Just listen before you say Amen. Listen to what's being said here. Do everything, everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything without complaining. Listen, and this is and this is what it's saying. Don't Once you start humbling yourself, don't go, on, oh, man, it's just so annoying to constantly have to humble myself to Bill at the office. It's like Bill doesn't even know what's going on. Well, that's, I mean, you're just negating everything you're doing by complaining about it. It says do it all without complaining and arguing. Here's verse 15 that says, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like God the stars in the universe come on somebody give God some praise today shine like the stars in the universe when you make humility your purpose and your goal for getting out of bed every day I humble myself so Jesus you can be elevated in me you can be lifted up in me that's when you begin to shine don't take his credit Let Jesus shine for you and through you in everything you do. Don't worry about someone not recognizing that you're the one who had the idea. You started it. They stole it from you. That's fine. We can just let things go sometimes. God knows who we are. God knows what we did. We work as unto the Lord. We don't work for the praises of men. We work for God. So let's let's have a blameless and pure spirit before the Lord. And that is the beginning of our testimony. So... Like I said, my message is shining. I'm going to pray real quick. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. Bless the rest of this message, even though I've already preached half of it. Uh, And I pray that you bless Kyle, who's been playing those chords for 10 minutes, Lord, 15 minutes. I pray that you continue to let his arms expand for your kingdom the way they have over the last few years. And in Jesus' name, uh, Cassie and Kyle will continue to be amazing as they're just the most awesome people in the world the cutest little daughter thank you for what you're doing here today in jesus name amen let's give god a great praise today all right so when you do a series on sharing one of the first things that people do is they think i'm really good at that Uh, i don't know how good we are at sharing Sharing is kinda of hard. If you wanna find out how good you are at sharing, order your favorite dessert, and when you ordered it by yourself and have the server say, I brought two spoons. Okay, that's not, that's not the greatest feeling in the world. Uh, and I'll tell you another feeling that's not so great is when you have a wife that loves french fries the way my life lo- lo- loves french fries. Because french fries, what, what'll happen with Aim is like, french fries, I think, that's her favorite food in the world. Like, is it the number one? It's your number one in the entire world. Uh, but what happens is, this is kind of a common thing with Aim is that we'll go somewhere and I'll say, um, I'll, have, um, you know, I'll have a cheeseburger and I'll, and, and I'll have fries and the server will look at her and say, well, what do you want? She'll say, I'll have the club sandwich with a salad. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the server, I go, hey, hey buddy, can you give me just really one quick second? And I'll go, don't you, don't you want to order the fries? And she'll say, no, I'll just have some of yours. Okay, fine, you don't say it like that, but you do it it is but I find how hard it is for me to share in those moments uh, because I can hoard things that I like but be careful that you don't hoard the gospel because the gospel is the good news it's something that should be shared it's not fair to take all the benefits of living a life that Jesus has given to me as a gift. And to look at all the broken people that I'm friends with and to just make them deal with all the fallout of the junk and, and the, the sin and, the, and the, the brokenness that they're in the middle of and not give them the answer. It's not fair. I'm not really living this life correctly unless I'm sharing. So as we saw just a moment ago, it's kind of the prerequisite for all of this is living a life of humility. And the Bible uses the word evangelism. Uh, And that's, what does it mean? It means to share the good news. How many people like good news? I love getting good news. Isn't that a wonderful feeling? I love getting good news, but the best kind of news is when you're hoping for something and it doesn't happen and then you forget about it. You absolutely forget about it. Like one time, I remember like when I was like 28 years old or something, somebody called me and said, I found out that you have some unclaimed money. I was like, what is that? I I thought I was being scammed or something. They're like, no, seriously, you have some unclaimed money. You can go find this unclaimed... And I found out that a a singing job that I did in Dallas when I was 19 for American Airlines, I never got paid for that. So there was like $1,900 that was in this account that was just sitting there that was unclaimed. And I got it years and years later. I got paid for something that I had done uh, before. That's good news. I didn't even think about that, that that was even a possibility. All of a sudden, something that was beyond my wildest dreams, I had this thing that happened to me that was such good news. And in the same way, the world has completely given up hope that really... Things can change for them in their circumstances. And when you come to someone and say, hey, Jesus loves you. He cares for you. He died for you. He wants you to have a life in him that you can't imagine. It's hard for them to even believe it. that's possible to be true. But Christianity should be about sharing our faith. And what is our faith? Our faith is, should all be centered on, on Jesus. It's about Christ. It's about knowing Christ, following Christ, imitating Christ, becoming like Christ. And as a matter of fact, I think that sometimes we rely too much on the church. We say it's the church's job to tell everyone it's the church's job. Well, look at someone next to you and say, you know what you look like to me? Okay, now answer them and say, the church. We are the church. The the church is not this building, we are the church. It's our responsibility as the church of God to go out and to minister to these broken people collectively. When we start doing that, I'm gonna tell you something. If we live holy lives, Lives that honor God. And we are vocal. And we have, so the combination would be holy lives and open mouths. So it would be the holy life would qualify us to open your mouth. Don't ever open your mouth if you don't have a holy life. Okay, only open your mouth if you got a holy life. Because if you got a holy life, what's going to come out is pleasing to God. The combination of holy life and open mouth. Because when you're living a holy life, the things of God are what comes out of your heart. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when your heart is right... And you're open about it. There's a lot of people that live holy lives. They love God, but they refuse to open their mouth. They won't share hope with people that you know are in desperate situations. I got news for you. The reason that we want to live by example is so we can get to those opportunities with people that we know that are broken, that go through something tough, and they say, Hey man, I don't know what to do. My wife left me. I just want to ask you this. I've known you for years. You don't ever seem to get rattled by big things. When you went through that one thing, you you know, you seem like you were just And and that might be an opportunity for you to go, well, you know what? You've never asked that before, but I'm gonna tell you straight up, the foundation of my life is Jesus. I go to church, I read my Bible, I take all of my problems and my worries and burdens to God, He is the reason that I am what you've seen for all these years. I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to pray for you for seven days. It's going to start today. And what you're going through, I believe that if I begin to pray for you, you're going to see something happen in your life. And if at the end of that seven days, you don't see something dramatically change in your life, I'm going to pray for you another seven days. And I'm going to start sending you scriptures. And I want you to come to church with me. You're going to see your life turn. And that's where you start getting bold about your faith. You've been living it long enough. Now it's time to do what? To open your mouth. Some Christians are afraid to open their mouth. What if someone gets mad? I'd rather them get mad than stay in a broken situation. Come on. It's time for us to get bold about our faith. You know, I don't know how much you would ever think about something like this. Maybe I, you know, maybe it's just something that I'm fascinated with. Like, when I think about Jesus ascending empowering the church with the gifts of the holy spirit the power of the holy spirit the church starts exploding like in my mind before i've thought how does rome the most powerful empire in the world who is over jerusalem while jesus is there crucifies jesus how does rome who is a completely godless hedonistic culture how do they go from hating christians after this is over with and, and, and Jesus ascends, in the early days of the church, they literally crucified Christians. They fed Christians to wild animals in the Colosseum for fun, for entertainment. You didn't go see Avengers, you went to the Colosseum and watched Christians be murdered. So how does, it, how does that culture go from being completely godless to in just a few hundred years, Christianity became the official religion of Rome. How? I know how, because I've studied it. You want to know how? Here's how. The people that were killing those Christians, they never saw them turn on God. The people that were killing those Christians, as they were being taken to be murdered, they said, I forgive you, and I love you, and I'm praying for you. The people that were killing those Christians saw the most authentic people that truly loved Jesus and truly loved God and were kind to one another. And eventually they started saying, I can't do this anymore. I cannot do this anymore. And when, when the leadership started seeing these people are real, the testimony of their life started overwhelming them. And finally, the whole nation said, we're just going to do this too. We can't, we can't lie. We're going to stop not only killing we're going to make this the official religion of rome and it changed everything and you know why it's not because you say well they probably had the greatest preachers in the greatest church you would die if you had a church you couldn't have a church service so you know what happened each believer took it upon themselves not to just have the old testament roles of priest prophet, and king. That's the type of leadership that was used in the Old Testament. Priest, prophet, and king. But every single believer took it upon themselves. And priest, prophet, and king are things that in the modern church those principles, kings demonstrate demonstrate leadership. So in, in in a local church the highest level of leadership shows the gospel through leading. The priestly level on the church level in the modern church today demonstrates the gospel through through loving, that so it's it's walking with people, discipling people. So the king demonstrates the gospel through leading. The priest demonstrates the gospel through loving, through discipleship, and the prophet demonstrates the gospel through speaking. That it's a it's a verbal gift. So in the church we see all those things, and in the modern church, if a church is done right, we should get all those forms of leadership through church today. But what's happened is sometimes we become so reliant on the church that we don't demonstrate those attributes in our own life. And those are the very attributes. I'm gonna tell you something right now. If we start living that way in our own life, We'll have to tear down this building. We'll have to build new buildings. We'll have to, I mean, there won't be enough campuses around. You won't be able to, to have enough room to put people. When we start demonstrating these things in our life, when we start leading and loving people and demonstrating the gospel through leadership, through love, and through speaking, that's how they did it in the Old Testament. Every per, in the New Testament, or excuse me, right after the New Testament in Rome, they demonstrated it in their own life. As a matter of fact, Michael Green wrote a book called Evangelism in the Early Church for further reading. And if you're interested in this concept, this is where I got some of these ideas and did some of my research. And he says that every Christian back then was a prophet, a priest, and a king. Every single one. Holy lives, open mouths. Those are concepts I got from his book, and I love that book. I would really encourage you to get into it. But I think today we need to step into those roles. They're all roles that Jesus represents. Jesus is the high priest. Uh, You know, Hebrews 4.16 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed on to the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us go boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We know that Jesus is the high priest. We know Jesus is the king. Revelation 19.13 says he's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. and the name which he's called, it's called the word of God. And on his robe and on his thigh... Ooh, I love that. He has tattooed king of kings. That's a good tattoo. King of kings, only if you're Jesus. King of kings and Lord of lords. You don't want that if you're not Jesus. King of kings and Lord of lords, tattooed on his thigh. So we know he's the king. He's the priest. He's the king. And he's the prophet. John 9, 17 said, so they said, I love this. You want to know if he's a prophet. Talk to the guy that he was blind his whole entire life, that Jesus healed because these haters said, they said to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? The guy said, he's a prophet. He's a prophet. So he's a prophet. He's a priest. He's a king. He demonstrated all that stuff. It's time for us, if we want to shine, if we want to evangelize, if we want to share our faith, it's time for us to step in. You know, the Bible says you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Come on, somebody say it. I don't care if you feel like you're in kids' church or not. Say, I'm a king's kid. Come on, say, I got royalty. Flowing through my veins. Ooh, I'm about to start jumping on something right now. I got royalty flowing through my veins in the name of Jesus. Somebody better get excited in church on a Sunday morning. I'll jump on something. I'll jump off something. I get excited. We start talking about royalty. If you start believing that every day, if you start believing, imagine the lives that we could live. Guys, people are hurting. They need somebody that cares enough to intervene. They need somebody that'll say, Hey, can I pray for you? Oh, what do you you, you think that you think you're better than me? Come on, I I know, but can I pray for you? You're going through a hard time, just let me do it. Let me do it right now. Just bow your head and just let me pray for you. Watch and see if God don't move. I believe He's gonna move. People need some boldness. It takes bold people to do big things. Big things don't happen by accident. Every great thing you've ever seen in your life started with a bold dream. you got to have some faith. you got to step out in faith. It's never going to be a sure thing. You have to try things in life if you're ever going to experience greatness. And I think that when we look at Jesus, it's sort of like if you didn't see my message last week called Unseen, I would really encourage you to go watch it on YouTube or our Facebook page the concept of unseen is it applies to this a lot because Jesus, you know, you've heard about icebergs that statistically we see only 10% of an iceberg, that 90% of that iceberg is unseen. It's underneath the water, and icebergs are almost indestructible. They're so heavy and so huge, you can't you can't even break it apart. But if we analyze that formula, that 90% unseen. And 10% seen equals indestructible. That's exactly what we saw in Jesus. 30 years of Jesus' life, we know nothing about. But that 10% of his life that we know about changed the entire world. So in Jesus' life, he was spending all those years learning how to be a priest, learning how to love people, learning to preach the gospel through his actions, through his love. And what did all that do? It qualified him to be able to be the prophet who could speak, to be the king who could lead. Being the priest and demonstrating, demonstrating the gospel through love qualified him to do all those other things. So I think that people will recognize the way you love before they'll receive the way you speak or lead. They'll recognize the way you love before they will receive what you speak or lead. And, you know, being a Christian has got to be a lot more than wearing a T-shirt or a bracelet or something like that. We, we have to really be imitators of Jesus. Jesus was constantly engaging people. Uh, you know, he was constantly going to, to broken people, to lost people. Paul, when I look at amazing evangelists and people who preach the gospel, they were talking about their story. If, if, if your story is not how Jesus saved you, from you, then you're telling the wrong story. Can I say that again? If your story is not how Jesus saved you, not from the devil, not from your evil ex-wife, not from living in Queens or being from a certain... No offense to Queens, other than, other than the Giants. Okay, now that's... I do hate on that a little bit, but whatever. That's not your story. Our stories can morph into these things. But can I, can I just be kind of harsh with you for a second? Because sometimes we need to speak the truth in love. And I hope you see that I'm speaking it in love today. But the book of James tells us that each of us is tempted when we're drawn away of our own lust. And when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And it says that when sin is done, it brings forth death. So what that means is the problem is not your ex-wife or your father or your your mom that didn't affirm you or whatever it is. I understand those are terrible things to go through. But what the Bible tells us is that our problem is ourself. Our problem is the sin that comes from ourself. And what's interesting is the sin and the lust that you struggle with is different than the lust whoever's sitting next to you struggles with. That person next to you has different problems, different temptations, different desires, different proclivities than you do. It's not about what the proclivities are or what the sins are that are so bad. It's that each of them is not like God. And when Jesus came into the middle of our story, he saved us from our own sin. And if your story doesn't involve that Jesus saved you from you, you need to revisit the story. It's really hard, guys, sometimes for me to tell my story, the, the full story of it, because when I see my daughter, my beautiful you know, 11-year-old daughter sitting on the front row, or my gorgeous 19-year-old daughter, Mia, or my son, 17 Jude, to talk about the fact that I was addicted to pornography from the time I was 12 or 13 years old till I was in my mid-30s, you know, early to mid-30s, but I went to a... You know, I, I went to a friend's house when I was a kid, and I saw something. He showed me something that I had never seen before. And my whole life was up and down of doing things for God and loving Jesus and trying to excel and trying to break free and just cycles of guilt and shame and seeing God move and coming down the next day and just wanting to quit and wanting to give up and wanting to do something else until... 15 or 16 years ago, I went to this weekend, this men's weekend, it was called an experience. And there, God just started speaking to me about how much he actually loved me and how much he cared for me and how much he just said this to me in a moment where I was just worshiping. He said, I loved you before this was a problem. He said, I loved you when it was a problem. He said, and I'm gonna love you when it's not a problem anymore. And it's the first time in my entire life that I ever had hope. And I felt something break in my life. And it would be very easy for me to just pass by that and to not talk about it. Because sometimes when I talk about it or I see other people, people say things that are just not super nice about that. But be talking about that or whatever. But the reason I talk about it, even though it's uncomfortable, is Jesus saved me from me. That is my story. It's not that he saved me from some mentality that someone else put on me. Oh, if my parents hadn't hadn't let me spend the night at someone's house, it never would have happened. If my friend wouldn't have... No, it it tapped into something that was already there. And it's something that I struggle with and I didn't even know it. But God set me free. Jesus set me free. It's part of my story. And now I can talk about the faithfulness of God in my life. There's nothing too big that my God cannot fix. There's nothing too strong. There's nothing so overpowering that he can't speak a word. And those chains will break because of his power and his authority and his goodness. That's the message of the gospel. The gospel is no matter who you are or where you're from you're from or what you have been through, there is hope for your situation because of Jesus. And we got to be able to add to that, I know, because he did it for me. That is what evangelism must look like. It doesn't have to be this loud. It doesn't have to be in this presentation. Yeah. But it has to be this real. That yeah. this is my story. And this is what Jesus did for me. And I'm grateful. And I'm not a, done. I'm a work in progress. Yeah. But he's doing something in me every single day. And I can't wait to see what tomorrow looks like. Because something good is going to happen because I love him and he loves me. Yeah. That's what the gospel looks like. And we invite people on that journey. We invite people right where they are on that journey. Do you want to go on that journey with me? And you'd be surprised how many people do if somebody just asks them. So I'm asking you today, will you humble yourself today? Will you let yourself shine against the contrast of a dark world? You know, I, I, I started painting this year and sometimes I'll gesso a canvas black uh, that starts out white. And I like starting with that dark canvas because whatever colors I choose to put on there that are white just seem to be so vibrant to me. That contrast of that darkness. I'll flick some white paint on there. And I like seeing how that just pops out and I can see it so well. It's one of my favorite ways to just start fresh painting. Why, why, does that, why is that so vibrant to me? Because of the contrast of the darkness. And when it says that we'll shine like the stars, what it's saying like is this world is suffocating in darkness, no answers, no hope. Nobody that cares enough in your schools, in our schools you know by the way teenagers young people all the friends in school that act like they've got everything figured out they don't know what they're doing they're clueless they're just trying to pretend that they know what is cool or what's right they go home every night lay down in bed just like everyone else does and say what am i doing they don't have answers. They need truth. They need hope. They need somebody that says, hey, look, I don't have all the answers, but I know this. Jesus loves me, and he cares for me. And this universe was not created from a gigantic bang. But there's a God that spoke it into existence. And if he spoke it into existence, then he must have some way that he wants it to be governed. And I believe it's through Jesus and the Bible and serving God. And I don't, I don't know everything, but I know that, and I'm going to stand on that. We need some people in this world that are willing to stand up and speak your faith. Speak out your faith. Look at someone next to you, say, be bold. bold. Look at the person on the other side, say, I don't know how you could be bold when you keep getting overlooked every single time he tells me to talk to someone. But, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Uh, Online, those of you who see that, be bold. We need some people with boldness. And I believe God's called you to be bold. I've got so many more notes, but... That's why it's a long series, because I can just pick it up next week. I invite you to come next week to shine part two. I'm gonna really get into some of the methods of speaking next week, how we can talk about our story, how we can, uh, in a compelling way, engage with people that we've never met before without coming across cheesy. I cannot, I don't dig that feeling. I, I, I dislike greatly, I won't use that one word, but I dislike greatly when I have a conversation with someone that starts asking me about myself. Hey man, What's your name? Oh, I'm Jeff. Where are you from? Um I you know I grew up in Alabama, but I've been here you know, for a long time, been here since like 1981 or something, moved to Central Florida. Oh yeah, that's great. And then we start talking, we're starting to. What if I told you that you could save 35% a month on your electricity bill? It's like, are you kidding me? Did did I just spend 15 minutes of my life of you asking me about all these things only because you're trying to sell me something? Imagine if people feel like you're doing that with the gospel, like you're simply just going through a list of things. I'm not discrediting people who go out and wanna share their faith and go through a a checklist. I think there's a lot of power in that because I think some people do get confronted. But I'm saying if that's the only thing that we ever do with our life, that we don't let people see our genuineness and the kindness and the love of God through us and we don't learn how to talk to people normally, uh, that we know uh, it's, that's kind of sad so I want to talk next week a little bit about how to, how to share, how to talk to people in a way that can be compelling Love you guys. Uh, I'm proud of everyone here. Thank you so much for coming to church. Uh, I'm so appreciative of people that want to engage with what God is doing. Thank you for bringing your Bibles. Thank you for bringing your phones, opening to your Bibles, for taking notes. I encourage you in the future, let's continue to take notes. Take those home. Read them during the week. Make sure that I'm saying the right thing. Don't just, because I'm saying it, don't just trust it. Read, Read it. See for yourself. I want to make sure that we preach the word correctly here and accurately. That's the most important thing in our church because I think it's the word, not preachers, that change people's lives. It's the Bible because the Bible is God's holy word. That's the thing that causes people's lives to be truly transformed. Uh, so could we just really quick bow our heads, close our eyes. Anyone that is watching online or in this room that doesn't know Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity right now to get your heart right with God, uh, to surrender your life to Him, to stop getting in the way, to start making it about Him, not making it about you, to say, I can't do it my way any longer. It needs to be Jesus and only Jesus. If that's you today, I'm gonna count to three, and online, when I count to three, I want you to lift your hand, and I want you to type in that chat room, I'm lifting my hand. If you're in this room, when I count to three, on three, I want you to lift your hand straight up above your head, high, quickly, when you do it. Why? Because we make other decisions and we go all in, Sometimes we get a little nervous when it comes to God. We should know when we need Jesus. And I think there's a lot of people here today that do. It's time. So if that's you, and you're in the sound of my voice when I count to three and you need Jesus, put your hand in the air say, I'm ready to know you, God. One, the Bible says now is the time of salvation. Two, I believe every person that is here has been drawn here by the power of the Holy Spirit for this very moment. Three, hands up all over the building if that's you. You need Jesus in your life. Man, that's dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of hands all over this room. Maybe close to 100 people in here. Your hands up, that's incredible. Those that are lifting your hand online, type in the chat, I'm lifting my hand. I need Jesus. God's doing something. The Holy Spirit's moving here today. Could we pray this prayer out loud? Say, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. I'm turning away from the old life. Walking into a brand new life with you. I will never be the same. Teach me to understand your heart. Help me to live a life of humility. Lead me into your purpose so I can shine like the stars for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, could we give God a great praise today? This concludes the teaching.